You're listening to The Gary Harris Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. The Gary Harris Show. You see him host Tider Insider TV, Crimson Tide Kickoff, play-by-play for Alabama sports, and sports director for WVUA 23. It's time for The Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports, Tide 100.9, and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Gary Harris Show for this uh, Thursday edition, October 26, 2023. I'm your host, Gary Harris. I got uh, Justin Jones right there on the other side of the glass, manning the controls, taking your phone calls on the First Domain Condos hotline at 205-342-9904. Of course, Noah Haynes is in this morning. Been here since uh, the wee hours of the morning, helping us out as well, running uh, the Martin Houston Show and Whipping Berry inside the locker room. He's always here. We're ready to go the next couple of hours talking sports and more here on the Big Tide 100.9 FM. We got a really good lineup that we're going to run down for you here in just a second. Tell you what all we've got on tap. Get you ready for uh, the weekend as it's right around the corner. Of course, tomorrow, the TGIF edition of the Gary Harris Show. But first, I need to tell you this hour of the Gary Harris Show being brought to you, as always, by Alabama Credit Union. Member owned and not for profit. It's just a better way of banking. Alabama Credit Union invites you to roll Tide and show your pride with the uh, official card of the Alabama Alumni Association. It's endorsed by Will Reichert, Alabama kicker. Find out more at alabamacu.com. That's alabamacu.com, Alabama Credit Union. Loans for real life. Some rules and restrictions do apply. See if you're eligible for membership, then join today and feel good about your money. And pull extra change in your pocket. All right, the lineup for today, and it is a good one. It's our Thursday lineup. That means right off the bat at 930, the coach Ellis Johnson will be in to break down all of the SEC football as only he can with all his experience as a defensive coordinator in the Southeastern Conference at uh, at Alabama and at Auburn and at Mississippi State and at South Carolina. It's been an amazing run for coach. And then at 10 o'clock, the Falcons report with uh, D. Orlando Ledbetter of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, AJC.com. The Falcons leading the NFC South after that win against the uh, Bucks last Sunday down in Tampa. <clears throat> now they get ready to take on the Titans, another one of the teams that we cover. And then at 1030, we'll talk some ball with my buddy Jeff Spiegel from ABC 3340 and the host of The Zone. Always love catching up with Speaks, and we'll do that at 1030 this morning. Your phone calls are welcome on the First Domain Condos hotline at 205-342-9904. Well, the World Series is set as we've got uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks and the Texas Rangers. How many people had that matchup going into the postseason? But like we've talked a lot about this uh, this month. Postseason baseball is so different <clears throat> than uh, playing over 162 games. And the top teams all find that out, found that out. you got a team in the World Series that won 84 games. The Arizona Diamondbacks were barely over 500. And here they are in the World Series. It just goes to show you that it's, uh, it's a different deal. NBA season is underway. It actually got underway on Tuesday night and uh, with a couple of big games. Then last night you had uh, uh, a lot of teams playing, including Brandon Miller making his debut and uh, did not start. I was, I'm trying to figure out, you drop the guy number two overall and you don't start him. Uh, Only oh, a slow first half, just one three-pointer. But in the fourth quarter, he came alive. I mean, he really, really did. He had a, a really good fourth quarter, hit a couple clutch threes down the stretch <clears throat> as, as uh, Charlotte got the win. The Hornets beat the Hawks 116-110. to 110. 
and it was Miller off the bench in 25 minutes, going 5 of 9 from the field, 3 of 7 from three-point range, 13 points, 3 rebounds, 2 assists, and just one turnover in those 25 minutes. So that's pretty good. That's a pretty good score sheet right there for a rookie out of Alabama. You figure, I, again, I, 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 I love Gordon Hayward. Uh, I would start Brandon Miller myself. I'm not the coach, but Hayward in 33 minutes had just 10 points. He did have seven assists and eight rebounds, but uh, at the same time, with Miller and that talent, <clears throat> at some point I'd like to see him get in the starting lineup. But if you play 25 minutes and you come up with 13 points, I don't have to tell you. Let's just say you play 35 minutes and you're probably going to have over 20 points. So he's that's a good game for him and a uh, good start for the uh, former Alabama star. And listen, there are a lot of former Alabama players down the NBA. It's a lot like when Coach Sanderson <clears throat> was coaching here as Alabama went through a, a period where they couldn't seem to hardly get a, a player in the National Basketball Association. And now I think between active roster and, and two-way contracts, there's like 10 or 12 guys. So they're, they're back. As far as um, Noah Clowney, I don't know if it's an injury situation, but the... First-round pick of the Nets out of Alabama did not play. In the box score, it says a DNP coach's decision. So I don't know if he's banged up or he's just not ready, but they did not play him last night, and the Nets lost a heartbreaker to the Cavs. 114-113 to uh, was the final score in a game that uh, literally went right down to the wire and then some when you uh, they were tied at half. The Cavs were up three after three. And the Cavs won it by one. So a close game the entire way. But Noah Clowney did not play, which, you know, um, I haven't followed it that closely in the preseason. And, again, it just said DMP, coach's decision. So, again, I don't know if he's banged up a little bit or they just didn't want to play him. Other finals last night, the uh, Pacers beat the Wizards 143-120. to Celtics over the Knicks 108-104. to Magic wore out the Rockets 116-86. to it was the Heat nipping the Pistons 103 to 102. The Raptors over the T Wolves 97 to 94. Uh, the Bulls are off to um, a bad start. They got blown out at home by the Thunder 124 to 104. And already, I think, uh, had one of those players only meetings. Pelicans over the Grizzlies 111 to 104. And another check in on Bama in the NBA. Herb Jones, who's one of the best defensive players in the league, just a typical Herb Jones game. He filled up the box score in a lot of different ways. Played 38 minutes, went 4 of 8 from the field, 2 of 3 from 3, 3 of 5 from the free throw line. Had 8 rebounds, 3 assists, a steal, a block, and 13 points. That's just what Herb Jones does. He just he just uh, absolutely fills up the stat sheet. Uh, Zion Williamson, hopefully we'll get a full season in. He had 23 points. Brandon Ingram had 19. If the uh, Pelicans can stay healthy and Zion Williamson plays basically an entire season for the first time in his career, they can be a problem in the Western Conference. They really, they really can be. So good job there by... Uh, Herb Jones, as is just what you expect out of him. That's just the kind of player he is. He'll <clears throat> he'll help you in a lot of different ways. Kings blew out the Jazz, one thirty to one fourteen, and uh, in that game, Colin Sexton uh, for the Jazz is not uh, he is not starting. He's a, a sixth man, and um, which is another kind of uh, unusual type of. Decision. I think Sexton is a is a is a talent, 
and he is a a starting talent, uh, but he's not he's not starting. So don't really know what's going on uh, on there with uh, with Colin Sexton. But um, and I'm looking in the box score trying to find him. I know I mean know he played in the game last night, but I'm overlooking it at the time. But the uh, Jazz got blown out at home by a very talented Kings team, and uh, also of course Victor Wembanyama made his debut last night for the Spurs. But they played the Mavs at home. The Mavs win that one, 126 to 119. And uh, Wimbanyama in his debut, um, 15 points, five rebounds. That's the thing when you're 7'5", but he's not really a rebounder. He's he's plays away from the basket more than he plays around the basket. He uh, only had one block, so he had an okay game, uh, but not a not a not a great game. Donchins had 33 points and 13 rebounds and 10 assists. So he had a triple. Luka Doncic with a triple-double. He's one of the best players in the National Basketball Association. And uh, uh, let's see here. I'm trying to find, uh, guys, if you wonder what I'm doing. I, I looked at the box score, and I did not see Colin Sexton. And I know he played last night. I've got to try to go to somewhere else to see that, to see what's going on there with um, – Hang on a second. I want to get this before we get to the break. I have it, Gary. All right, what did he have? Uh, yeah, for the Jazz versus the Kings yesterday, he played 20 <laughs> minutes, 9 points, 2 for 9, 3 rebounds, 0 for 2 from 3. Slow slow game for him. Yeah, that's, I, I was monitoring it last night. All right, do uh, do this for me because just make sure I'm not uh, – I'm not losing my mind here. Go to ESPN.com, click on NBA, go to the box score that they have listed, and go through the box score. I found him. Okay, I did find him. I just overlooked. You're right. There, He was on there. So I was like, where did the guy go? But, yeah, you're right. 20 minutes, 9 points, only 2 of 9 from the field, 0 of 2 from 3, 5 of 7 from the free throw line. Not, uh, not, a, not a great game for Colin Sexton, a guy who many of us thought might be a superstar in the league. And uh, now he's a backup for the, the Utah Jazz, which is not uh, – Ideal. The Clippers, of course, uh, um, Josh Primo is on a two-way contract with them. Uh, he is not on the active roster. I, th- I said yesterday I saw him on there, but he was not on the active roster last night. <clears throat> but the Clips blow out the Trailblazers 123 to 111. Uh, really, this game was over at the end of the third quarter. Uh, I think the uh, Clips were up nine. Let's see, 20 at half. They were up. 26 after three, and they got outscored 38-24 in the fourth, but it really didn't matter. Uh, they they won 20, 123 to 111. So NBA is back. I meant to talk about it a little bit yesterday, and I get busy on the show, and I didn't do it. Uh, but the Nuggets beat the uh, Lakers on Tuesday night, just like they did hammered them in the playoffs last year. And it was the Suns going into Golden State on Tuesday night and beating the Warriors. So four of the top teams in the Western Conference played on Tuesday night, and it was the uh, Suns over the Warriors and the Kings, the defending NBA champions, over the Lakers. All right, it's 913. We're off and running here on the Gary Harris Show. We'll get to phone calls in the next segment. 205-342-9904 is the number on the First Amendment Condos hotline. And then we will um, come back with Coach Ellis Johnson at the bottom of the hour and break down all the SEC football. So we got a good show on tap. Stay with us here on the Gary Harris Show on Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC. 
Hi, Barry Buckner here, and I want to... Ministry has evolved. It will always be that place to escape and have a good time. Whether it's for a game day weekend, to reminisce on college days, or to create new memories, if you're looking for a good time, there's only one thing to do. Head to the free at 1925 University Boulevard. And don't forget about the Lucky Lunch Meat and 3 special. Monday through Friday from 11 a.m. until 2 p.m., get a meat and 3 vegetables for just $8.49. Or for a lighter appetite, try the Lucky Lunch soup, salad, or sandwich combo. I'll see you at the free. Life doesn't wait for when your finances are in perfect order. It just happens. But no matter what surprises come your way, Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. They offer an easy application process and fast decisions so you can stay focused on feeling good about whatever life brings your way. Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. Alabama Credit Union, loans for real life. Visit alabamacu.com to learn more. Some rules and restrictions apply. See if you're eligible for membership, then join today and feel good about your money. Los Tarascos has been serving Mexican favorites like burritos, fajitas, and quesadillas since 1999. Their new location is at 4100 Owen Parkway in Northport. And of course, you can find Los Tarascos in Tuscaloosa at 110 Skyland Boulevard. The bar areas feature big screen television so you can enjoy your favorite sporting events. Los Tarascos features daily happy hour specials. And for the best Mexican cuisine in West Alabama, remember, the name is Los Tarascos with locations in Tuscaloosa and Northport. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Another warm and dry day today. The sky partly to mostly sunny, the high 82. Tonight fair with the low at 61. And for tomorrow and Saturday, partially sunny both days. Highs in the low to mid 80s between 81 and 84. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 68 degrees in Tuscaloosa. You see him on WVUA 23 covering sports and on Tider Insider TV on Tuesday nights. Don't miss a minute of The Gary Harris Show. Weekdays from 9 to 11 on Tide 100.9. 916, welcome back into The Gary Harris Show. And um, I got a little social media. Uh, message already justin somebody shot me a message said are you gonna do an nba recap every day no i'm not <laughs> but it's uh, but it is you know the season's just starting and uh uh we got a bunch of bama guys you know in the nba so no i won't be doing a uh an nba don't worry i won't be doing an nba breakdown every day just <laughs> open the show but i meant to yesterday talk about you know the suns and the warriors and the lakers and the nuggets and didn't do it and with the season getting underway and i'm going to continue to talk some nba but I, no listen i'm not gonna uh but you know brandon miller clowny um and i didn't even check betty Ako to see if he got in for the spurs last night i guess i need to do that in a minute but uh and, and make even more unhappy but right now we're going to jump out on the uh first and main condos hotline at 205-342-9904 and welcome in joseph hey joseph what's up gary another day in paradise what's going on with you Hey, I appreciate you taking my call, man. Okay. Hey, but um, did that uh, uh, Lakers Nuggets game? Did you hear what the crowd was chanting? What, what uh, Nugget? Were your daddy or something to the Lakers? Weren't they chanting something like that? Yeah, who's your yeah, daddy? Who's your dad? Yeah, well, right now, hey man, the Nuggets, Nuggets, the Nuggets own them right now, and there was a lot of talk about you know the Lakers wanting to get a little payback in this season opener, and the Nuggets, the Nuggets put it to them again. So I guess I guess they are their daddy, right? But uh, yeah, uh, on another note, I've seen something. Uh, this is Nick Saban 
I think in this, uh, the last 15 seasons he's got, he's got more 10 winning seasons than Auburn and does in their entire history. I was like, wow, that's, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, he's done some things that, uh, you know, I suspect we won't see the likes of, of Nick Saban again for a while once he's gone to have a run like he's had. You know, Kirby Smart is off to a great, great start at Georgia. There's no denying that. But, um, you know, doing it over, you know, 15, 16, 17 years the way Saban has. I, I know, first of all, Joseph, I don't even know if you'll see coaches – you know, coaching is long anymore because they make so much money and the pressure and the and the intensity and the schedule, it's so demanding that a lot of these guys, I think, will, you know, they'll get these big jobs and if it doesn't work out for them, they'll take that big buyout. And, uh, you know, some of them will just say, hey, I'll do broadcasting or I'll, you know, I'll, I'll uh, you know, just live the good life. So I don't know that you'll have the, the longevity with head coaches, the way that Saban has had it, you know, because you think about his time at Alabama, 17 years, but he had five at LSU. He had five at Michigan State. And uh, was it Toledo or Dayton where he started? I, anyway, but he's got, uh, um, so he's got, I think, 28 years as head coach. And, you know, there's, I don't know, you know, how many get more coaches are going to coach 28 30 years as head coaches anymore i just don't so yeah you're right he's done he's done some things that i mean it just does it does not make sense that when he came in here with where alabama was at uh even though i, th- I think everybody felt like alabama would win it does not make sense for him to do what he's done you should not be able to do that it was Toledo. i was right it was toledo where he coached in 1990 <clears throat> as a head coach so you know he's done some things joseph that just i, I tell people every every day Enjoy it. Enjoy it. Cherish it. You know, these are the these are the the golden days for Alabama because there's going to come a time when he's not here and Alabama will still win, but I don't think they'll win like this. Well, you know, Gary, um, don't but shifting gears again. Um, I used to be a big Lakers fan. I ain't going to lie. When Kobe Bryant was there, I, I was a big Kobe Bryant fan. I'm a big Michael Jordan fan. Yep. Uh, thanks. George's the best to ever do it, but um, uh, he's the goat in my opinion. But I, I I started pulling for the Lakers. I quit pulling for the Lakers when LeBron James went over there, and when he went over there, I just totally quit pulling for the Lakers because I really didn't want to have nothing to do with the Lakers because I don't like him. I told I told my son the other day. I said when LeBron James leaves the Lakers, I root for the Lakers again. But until then, I hope they get beat every game. I don't like LeBron James, and I, I, I he just, he rubs me wrong, Gary. I just don't like him. But I mean, I like I like to say I mean I like he he's the only player in the NBA I probably don't like. But well, you know that's that's your right. You don't have to like everybody. LeBron's one of those polarizing players. You know, he a lot of people love him, and a lot of people don't like him. And I'm kind of in the middle. I uh, I do think he's an incredible player. I, I think he certainly is one of the all-time best to do it. He's the NBA's all-time leading scorer. He's had longevity. He's a physical phenom. I mean, he's kept his body in, in incredible shape at whatever he is now, 38, 39 years old. And he's still one of the top players in the league. So I admire his talent. Uh, but there's some things about him that, that, that rub me the wrong way. But I think he's a great, great player. And like you, I, I've always followed the Lakers. You know, I'm... I'm you know, growing up, I was an Atlanta Hawks fan. I was an Atlanta everything fan, which means I was used to losing. But as I've gotten older, I just I love watching the Lakers, the Celtics, um, you know, the top teams, the top 
you know, organizations play. And, and I'm amazed at the Lakers because they're another one of those organizations. They just keep reinventing themselves, going back to, you know, <clears throat> Wilt and Jerry West and then Magic and Kareem and, and uh, you know, Showtime and then Shaq and, and Kobe and, and now this latest uh, rendition with uh, um, Anthony Davis and LeBron James. So the Lakers are one of those organizations, you know, like the Yankees, like the Cowboys. There's always going to be interest in the Los Angeles Lakers. That's just the way it is. Well, Gary, the reason I'm an MJ GOAT fan because the era MJ played in was much more physical than today's little. Oh, there's no doubt about weeks. it. There's no doubt. No, I, I listen. I, no, don't. You, you don't have to, to 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 preach to me. I think Michael Jordan is is is. Um, I mean, I've never seen another player like Michael Jordan. Uh, and I, you know, and I go further back than you do. Like I said, I go back to 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 the the '70s with the NBA and loved it then, and loved watching. You know, whether it was the Washington Bullets or the Seattle SuperSonics or or the Celtics or the Suns or those great '70s teams and into the 80s. But Michael Jordan, yeah, I think he's the best to ever do it. I mean, to win six championships, go 6-0, and uh, to win three, step away, play baseball, come back and win three more at 6-5, and do what he did. Yeah, there's Jordan to me is uh, unparalleled. And I loved Bird and I loved Magic and I loved a lot of those, like I said, great players in the 70s too. But um, Elvin Hayes and, and, and Marvin Barnes, I can go on and on about some of the Sidney Wicks, some of the great players in the 70s. But uh, Michael Jordan was uh, was was just a freakish talent, freakish work ethic. Um, and he took the Bulls and, and just, uh, you know, did some things that, are incredible. Yeah, I'm, I, I think we, Michael Jordan's the best ever. He's the GOAT, in my well, opinion. Well, you know, Gary, I, I, told, I told my I told And Kobe this, was Gary. close. Kobe was close. Kobe had the same yeah. work ethic, had had a lot of the same things that Jordan had, but I still I still would take MJ. Well, uh, you know, Gary, uh, MJ, if he played in today's league, I joke around my son, I said he would average 50. I said, and he would probably last the same amount of years LeBron lasted. I said if he played in today's league because it, it's not as physical, and I believe Jordan could have kept his body up better. If he played in today's league, well, he probably could, and and you know, I agree with you there. You know, you you don't have to go across the lane right now and worry about Rick Mahorn or or, or uh, Bill Ambeer giving you a lariat. I mean, or tackling you or anything else. Yeah, it, it's it's not as physical, but still, what LeBron does, you know, in the seventies when you were six eight and two hundred sixty pounds, let me tell you what you were, Joseph. You were a power forward with the back to your basket, at the back your back to the basket. That's the way you played. You didn't see six eight two hundred sixty pound guys out on the perimeter handling the ball. You know, there wasn't even a three-point shot, but doing the things that, that he did. So um, he's he's a freak of nature, too, but I do agree with you. The, the pounding that the players took in those days is a lot different than, than now. But I love the NBA, and like I said to someone who shot me a social media message, I'm not going to beat the NBA to death, but I am going to talk about it like I talk about the NFL and Major League Baseball, too, from time to time. So, Well, you know, Gary, I, I don't like LeBron, and, I, and to be honest with you, I'm a LeBron hater. Um, I'm just I, I I am what I am and I admit what I am, but I I be I would be ignorant to not say LeBron's in the top five greatest players of all time. I mean he he is in the top at least my top five. Yeah, he's unique. He's a, again he's unique. He's a guy that. Um uh, because of his size and his his ability to kind of redefine this new era of positionless basketball that we're in, he kind of is the one that started that. Where you take guys that, like I said, when and you know, I watched NBA in the seventies, you had a center, a power forward, a small forward, a shooting guard, and a, and a point guard. You had a one, two, a three, a four, and a five, and that's the way you played. And if you were six eight, two hundred sixty pounds, you weren't uh, you weren't playing uh, point guard or two guard. You were playing power forward and. 
That's just the way it was, or even center. So it was just a different game, and then than it is now. But yeah, he's he's phenomenal, and he's one of he's one of the all time greats. Hey, good call, Joseph. Uh, I, uh, who's your favorite to win the NBA championship this year, Gary? Oh, my gosh. Um, I hadn't really even thought much about it. Uh, I mean, you know, I, I think you have to start with the Nuggets because they basically have everybody back, <laughs> you know, and they won it and they won it <laughs> and they won it last year. And they've got Jokic, who I think is the best player in the league, and they've got all the parts around him. So, I, you know, just based on, on, paper yeah i'd say it'd be hard to pick against them but i mean you got to look at the bucks uh bringing in damian lillard and what they have i think you know the the suns keep trying to knock on the door um with with kd uh they're a factor but you know to get maybe find a team who is off the radar a little bit um you know watch out for the sacramento kings they're they're insanely talented uh i mean they really really are so uh but i mean i think you probably start with the nuggets and and and, and the bucks in my opinion well, Tim, well, i appreciate it gary thank you for taking my call all man. right joseph good to hear from you it's 927 here on the gary harris show and we're rocking and rolling and uh, we're going to go ahead and get to the break and uh that's because we got the man Ellis Johnson, the coach, coming up, breaking down SEC football like only he can. I do want to remind you that in communities across the nation, the Y is a leading voice on health and well-being. We bring families closer together, encourage good health, and foster connections through fitness, sports, and fun. As a result, millions of youth, adults, and families are receiving support, guidance, and resources needed to achieve greater health for their spirit, mind, and body. Go by and visit the YMCA of Tuscaloosa today at 2300 13th Street. Or give them a call at 205-345-9622. Or you can find out more at ymcatuscaloosa.com. Do, do what I did over 20 years ago. Join the Y. You'll never regret it. We'll be back with the coach, Ellis Johnson, next right here on the Gary Harris Show. For more from Tide 100.9, let's it fly and it. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and SoundCloud. Everyone, welcome back to the Gary Harris Show. One of our favorite segments during the football season is uh, the coach, Ellis Johnson, joining us for analysis of all the SEC games. Obviously, a special emphasis on Alabama, but uh, he breaks it all down. And uh, we love having Coach on every week, have a lot of positive comments because he, he watches the game differently than, than I do or most of you do. He watches it from a coaching perspective, which is I, I've known a lot of coaches in my time, and believe me, it's, it's a different way to watch a game than what, what we watch it. Good morning, Coach. How are you? Good morning, Gary. Doing great. Let's uh, before we get to this upcoming week, particularly with Bama on by, let's look back at the weekend that was and start, of course, with uh, Alabama and Tennessee. Um, you, you said you thought Alabama would find a way to get it done, but I, I don't know that we thought they'd be down twenty to seven at half. But a tale of two halves. Uh, what did you see in that game, and what did you see from Alabama in the second half that allowed them to come back and get uh, get control of that game? Question. Yeah, it's a. When you look at it, just look at the stats and everything, you're still trying to figure out how did they win, and how did they win about 14 points. But, uh, you know, it, it technically, uh, Milton outplayed Milrow. Uh, they had negative turnovers. They were minus one in the turnover department. They didn't have as much total yardage, but they won the game. That's right. And I just go back to what uh, I've been saying, for I think they know exactly what, what Milrow is and what he is not. Uh, coordinators and Coach Saban doing a great job of handling the personnel, doing what they can, and uh, playing to their strength. Uh, I never like to second guess or blame coaches too much, but I really feel like the two times 
that Coach Heifel went the fourth down. I don't understand them. Me the first one was on his it was on his minus twenty four yard line, and he had a two score lead. I don't know what you're trying to do. I mean, do you think you're not going to be able to keep up with Alabama? Or are you trying to embarrass them? I mean, what is the point? If you get that first down, Gary, your chances of scoring on that drive are still probably less than fifty percent. Then did it again later. It's a little better field position, but this time he still had a three point lead. It even says I don't trust my defense, or I'm I'm more concerned about my stats. I don't understand it. But moving on, that 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 didn't necessarily lose the game, but I think it certainly certainly gave Alabama life in a couple of situations where they were treading water big time. Yeah, I don't want to move away from that though, because I was thinking the same thing, and and I see it with this younger generation of coaches. We saw it with Dan Lanning, who's a fabulous coach. Uh, I really thought he cost his game, his team, his game uh, with Oregon against Washington. Same thing with Heupel, great young coach. But I, I, it's almost like it's a lack of patience. It, to me, it's just you know we want it, we want it now, and they always come back with oh I got confidence in my team. Well. You know, don't don't hurt your team. I'm with you, I, and I know you can't get in somebody's head, but I think this is something that we've seen in this new generation of coaches. Uh, you know, we want to score points. We want to keep the, the pedal down, you know, all gas, no brakes, all that stuff. And, and we see Lane Kiffin do it a ton. And at times, um, you, you know, particularly I've seen games where I thought, Last year, at a couple of years ago at Auburn, I thought Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss had a better team than Auburn. But because they kept going for it, you know, they didn't just want to let the game play out over four quarters. Usually, if you're the better team, we're going to see that over four quarters. I just think it's a lack of patience because I don't see it with the veteran coaches as much. And not that we have as many of those left anymore, but but that's something with this new generation. What do you think about that uh, analysis and that theory? I think you make a great point. Uh, I think, you know, overall, the the approach of football has changed over the last 20, 30 years and that the game is more spread out. It became more, uh, if you will, finesse and high-powered, bigger bigger explosive plays, et cetera. Not only do I think, it, you know, sometimes these coaches are making decisions with tunnel vision and not thinking of the, I use the term offense, defense, weekends. You know, sometimes they get caught up in their own little arena and they don't look at the big picture of the game, especially if you're a play caller. Uh, but I, I, I also think I had a discussion on another show about turnovers, and it, it, it's gotten to the point where people lost the value of turnovers. If you were minus two in turnovers, it almost made it a 70% chance of increasing your chance to win that game. Absolutely. Plus, even if you were plus two, plus two, my bad. But, you know, I, I think you say, well, why do people not – have they come to the point where they don't get all upset about a turnover anymore? I think it's because they, they came into went to an era of football where all these 41 to 38 games. Mm-hmm. Turnover was, it wasn't as a big a deal as back when it was more of a box game. And so there was a time period in there where a turnover wouldn't kill you. If yeah. you were explosive team, they could come back and put two more touchdowns on the, on, on the board in the fourth quarter and you could almost count on it. It, it, it didn't hurt you as bad, and some people quit putting the value on it. I, I think it's coming back because defenses are adjusting. They're getting to the point where they're not allowing the explosive plays quite as often, and they're taking their you know six-yard, seven-yard plays, not trying to shut the door on everybody on every play. And what's happening, scores are going down just a little bit. But things like turnovers and going for fourth downs and, and whether to kick the field goal or go for the touchdown and these type of things, 
I do. I agree with you. There are a lot of coaches that they, they lose sight of the big picture, or either they lose patience. Sometimes they don't have a trust in some element of their team. They try to cover it up by doing something else, and and they're making bad game decisions. But frankly, in some cases, it costs them ball games. Yeah, you said it. I mean, you go for it on your twenty-something yard line, don't make it. That is a turnover. It doesn't show up in the stat sheet as a turnover, but that's a turnover. I mean, instead of punting the ball Absolutely. away and making the team go 70, 75 yards, you give them a short field. That's you work so hard not to turn the ball over, then the coach turns it over. And uh, now, Absolutely. you know that's just the way I, you and I see it. I what Saban's always said, and I know you've kind of came up with this philosophy. The old coaches used to say, if every possession ends in a kick, we're probably going to be okay, whether it's a punt, extra point, or field goal. But new coaches, they don't subscribe to that uh, theory at all. All right, let's move on, Coach, for Alabama now to get to the bye uh, before the, the showdown uh, against LSU next week. And, and LSU's in bye as well. And, and LSU's offense, I think there's some good offenses in this league, but they're the most complete. They're dynamic. Uh, what is, you know, when you're on bye like this as a coach, what are you looking to get out of it? You played eight straight weeks if you're Alabama and you know you've got the biggest game of the season coming up. Uh, what 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 are you trying to accomplish during a bye other than getting some rest and getting a little bit of a break? They, they'll start early on the next opponent, uh, get some things, you know, to start. Uh, spending extra time in certain situations. Uh, but it is, at this point in the season, it is a time for making sure you get a little bit of rest and recuperation with the guys. And then it's a time also to work with some young players. I don't know if that's as important now as it used to be because uh, rosters, you know, are not full with so many players, downline guys. You're not using open dates and bowl practices quite as much to develop upcoming players. Most of them are on the field, but so, but that's about it, Gary. I mean, other than that, getting a head start on the opponent and resting up with some guys that need to be rested, that's really the big deal. All right, we'll dive into that game, of course, head first next week. But just some some quick thoughts on the matchup. Alabama's defense is playing really well. Their offense has improved. But uh, as I said, LSU's dynamic. Jaden Daniels, I think, should be a Heisman candidate. He, maybe he is. But that, that LSU offense with those receivers and that quarterback and not only his ability to throw it but use his legs, they've been – lately they've just pretty much been unstoppable. Yeah, I mean, they are. They're without a doubt the best offense in the conference. Uh, and he's probably the best quarterback in the conference. He certainly is statistically. Uh, he got plenty of help. Those wideouts are really good players and can spread the ball around. But if you know, I look at it, and uh, Alabama's offense, although it's not, you know, it's not a big time explosive offense, it's going to give them trouble because they their issues on defense at LSU are in the secondary, and it's been it's been better lately. But uh, they played Army last week. They got to buy. It's going to be three weeks before they played anybody who can throw the football around. And I think that, uh, you know, if he doesn't turn the ball over, I think Miller will be a, a pain for them because he can throw deep. And I think they've had some issues with that. And then you flip it on the other side, and I know I'm the old defensive coach, but I've always felt like points allowed is one of the most important statistics, team statistics in college football because of the way it's kept up with. In the NFL, they don't put points against the defense if the defense wasn't on the field. In college, it doesn't matter who's on the field. When the points go on the board, it's put as scoring defense. So if you look at a scoring defense statistic and how teams compare to each other, it tells you a lot about the whole team. And Alabama's sitting there right behind Georgia in, in the conference, number two, and they're number 15 in the country. LSU is, is absolutely horrendous. They're now number 79 and 12th in the conference. If that doesn't change, 
uh, it, it sounds crazy, but this could be a scoring fest, and, and they're not going to beat Alabama with a scoring fest. I don't see it. Another interesting game this past weekend was Mizzou and South Carolina. And, uh, you know, obviously you're still, you know, South Carolina was the last school you coached at. Uh, you're still pretty close to some people with that program. And, and of course, Missouri's having a terrific year other than the one loss at home to LSU. Uh, but for South Carolina, I, I want to ask you what's happened. I mean, you know, such high hopes for this team going into the season. Uh, they played Georgia really well. Uh, they found a way to beat Mississippi State. But since then, they got blown out by Tennessee. They blew a game at home to Florida and then just got uh, annihilated at Missouri. And, you know, after the Florida game, Shane Beeper, you know, broke his foot kicking something and said, you know, we put the players in position and they got to make plays. And he's kind of starting to come across as, a, you know, a little whiny and uh, his team is reeling. Uh, what do you, what do you make of uh, what's going on with the Gamecocks? Well, in the simplest explanation, it changes. I mean, this was not the most talented football team in the SEC coming in. They had been absolutely just decimated. They have not started the same five offensive line in any game, and, and not in the same positions. I, mean, I don't know any college football team that I've ever remembered that had that situation. They've got their best wide receiver. He's out, uh, and, and probably the most dangerous wide receiver, maybe out for the year. The other one has been out uh, parts of games and, and entire games. Uh, they've not had a running back, uh, a running back room since the day one. They tried very, very hard in the portal. To get some help in there. They got a young man who came out of the division two school. He's doing okay with the ball in his hands. Not a real good player when the ball's not in his hands, such as pass protection, et cetera. Uh, it's just, it's just a team that was pretty thin to start with, and they've had every bad luck you can think of. Defensively, the same thing. They were not a real, real strong team coming in. They were counting on some young people for depth. Their secondary was pretty doggone good, and now they've lost two players back there. Uh, and some of them are not out for the whole season, but when you lose somebody for two or three weeks, uh, it's just too hard to overcome. So, you know, about this time last year for the past two seasons, they've turned it around and won two or three critical ball games and had a positive finish. So, you know, we keep our fingers crossed that maybe that'll happen. Their roster is in absolute just just shambles right now. And, and I think they're probably doing about as good a coaching job as you can considering what's going on on the field. Yeah, well, it makes for an interesting matchup this this week because uh, uh, they go to A and M and and the Aggies need to win really bad too. So that's a that's a big game yeah, for both those teams. It's not a good matchup, South Carolina. It's not a good matchup, South Carolina at all. Right. Texas A and M really good on defense, and the only thing South Carolina's had that's been consistently bright for him is Spencer Rattler, and he's going to have a tough time out there Saturday. He's not getting much help at all, and that Texas A and M front against South Carolina's front, it's going to be a difficult day for them, especially on the road. And for Mizzou, um, you know, they had a chance to win that LSU game, and they, they got beat in the fourth quarter, or they'd be undefeated. So uh, they're getting set now for their game at Athens next week. Do you, of course, we'll get to Florida and Georgia in a moment, but do you think, uh, you think Missouri has anything for Georgia next week? I, you know, they got a bye week to get healthy. Spend all their time on Georgia. I don't know how much X's and O's is the key to this thing. I think obviously when you play Georgia, you better have some matchups uh, that you're going to try to cover up or whatever. 
you know, Jared, the thing about it is we got to find out whether George's is good without Brock Bowers. That's right. And and they're gonna they're gonna feel that I got tremendous respect, Bobo. I, I think he's one of the best in the business and has been for thirty years. Uh, he'll find a way to overcome it, but I just don't think they can be the exact same offense. And so, you know, I think the key matchup is to see if Missouri can hold them down and get a couple of turnovers off of them. Uh, they may be good enough to get a you know, score a few points on Georgia. Uh, it's going to be hard. I, I'm sure up front there's going to be some mismatches, but they've been really good. I think they're probably one of the most well-coached teams in the conference, especially on offense. So I, I think this will be interesting to watch, and especially having this bye week and Georgia coming off the Florida game, depending on what happens down in, in that game, you know, it could affect us next week. The coach, Ellis Johnson, with us, breaking down the SEC as only he can. Uh, talking about teams that are really, and I want to get to Arkansas, because uh, I mean, they had such a tough schedule, but still, you come home to play Mississippi State, that's a game you expect to win. You score three points, and uh, you fire your offensive coordinator, Danny Nos, and I know you wish you probably were still coaching when a, when a coordinator gets a $2.8 million buyout. I mean, it's, <laughs> he may just say, I'm, I'm buying myself out for the rest of my career, but... I don't know, Coach. It's always been my experience as a sportscaster. When I've seen coordinators get get dismissed in the in the middle of the season, to me that that reeks of the head coach trying to save his job. Um, I mean, it's pretty grim there with Arkansas. Sam Pittman's a likable guy. They still like him up there, and that may would be what saves him. But I mean, on on the field, uh, and you've got a guy KJ Jefferson who we thought going into the year might be one of the best quarterbacks in the conference. I mean, what happened with Enos? It just didn't, did it not click? I mean, I guess it's easy to say, but how in the world do you have a quarterback of that caliber and be that bad on offense? Yeah, I, I guess that's the thing that he's evaluating when he made, made the decision to let him go. Is it, it feels like we haven't gotten the most out of KJ Jefferson. I, I don't know. You know. Dan was there before as a coach. Yeah, he was. There certainly wasn't any kind of a mysterious hire or anything. I mean, you know what he was. You hired him. I don't understand, you know, why all of a sudden he can't go. Uh, I think the problems, obviously, the more than need of you, You've got personnel issues or something because, I mean, the guy doesn't forget how to coach in nine months. But he has not, KJ has not been affected this year. I don't know if he's been beat up. A lot of times teams don't let that out. Could have something, you know, like a groin or maybe a sore shoulder, and I don't know. It's a hard explanation. He's less than 97 yards passing and under 50 yards rushing. Arkansas, on KJ, Arkansas has no chance of beating anybody with that. Uh, uh, Travis uh, Williams, the defense coordinator, old GA of mine at Auburn, he's done a good job. It's been pretty solid. He really on has. Defense. Yeah, he's done a really nice job. Yeah. But, but it's just – this game looked like, you know, games did 30 years ago with mm-hmm. every yard being important so far. So I, I just think, you know, you're minus one in the turnovers. And you, you can't get anything going really on either side of the ball, or, uh, either team. And so it's kind of an ugly ball game. But a good win for Mississippi State, especially on the road. But they mathematically got a, a legitimate shot maybe to find six wins now yeah. and get to a bowl yeah. game. Arkansas, I think you're right. You start making those – uh, bigger changes before the season's even over. It's sending the wrong signals, and I certainly don't know what's going on interior I mean, inside. But I, I it just—it's pretty serious right now. When you start firing coordinators that you just brought in there nine months. Yeah, and it hadn't been that long since you coached. But even even at that time, 
I, and did you ever think you'd see a, an assistant coach come in, like you said, for nine months and then get fired and get paid, have to be owed $2.8 million? <laughs> I mean, it's, well, that's a, hey, it's a good time, it's a good time to coach. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I, somebody asked me the other day, why don't I come back and coach? I said, well, I could. I, I'd have to go to one of these universities that has a really nice medical university on campus because after about three weeks of this mess they're going through now, I'd have to be over there every other day with, with medical help. <laughs> yeah, I said earlier, the days of coaches, I think head coaches coaching 25, 30, 35 years is going to be about over because of the stress and the kind of money you make. You don't have to coach that long. All right, let's look ahead to some games coming up. And uh, obviously, I want to start with, um, with, with the, I'll still call it the world's great, you know, best outdoor cocktail party down in Jacksonville. It's kind of unique in this time in day and time. We have the Oklahoma-Texas game at the Cotton Bowl, and I can't think of many others that play at neutral sides. But Georgia and Florida, as you said, Georgia's still number one, deservingly so, but they have not, you know, been impressive the whole year. And there's Florida now with a, with a little bit of momentum. Is is this a competitive game in your mind? Yeah, I think I think the thing to watch is uh, what what does it do to Georgia's offense without uh, Bowers in that. And I've had time to plan on it because he got hurt a week ago, and it's you know, he wasn't at practice, obviously. But I think I think it's a huge weapon. I've always felt like a, a really good tight end is one of the most difficult things to stop from an X's and O's standpoint. It's very hard to double cover him or those kind of things. And he's just, you know, he's about as good as there's been as an offensive weapon in NCAA late. So I'm curious to see how it goes. And that, like I said before, I, I think Bobo's one of the best in the business. And I think that he'll overcome it. But it's going to affect them. And I think, you know, if it, if it brings their offense into reality and they cannot score uh, 30 or 40 points, I think Florida's got a shot to play with them. Tennessee looks to bounce back uh, from their loss at um... – at Alabama, but they have to go to Kentucky at night. Uh, of course, a little bit of shine came off Kentucky when Georgia just absolutely uh, annihilated them. But uh, Kentucky at night there, is that the game that uh, Tennessee needs to be uh, uh, at the top of their game to win? Yeah, they've probably got a little bit of a hangover. Uh, emotionally, you know, disappointed. I, I'm not going to say they gave the game away to Alabama, but they certainly were in position to win it. And it's going to be you know, it's a difficult long week of practice and so forth. But I always felt sometimes you needed a good opponent on the back end of something like this because you want to get back to, to the, you know, uh, back in a good state of mind. And if you had an open day that lingers too much, it'd be good to go ahead and get back and then start having to play somebody that you really better be ready to play. But Kentucky's balanced, pretty good on D, pretty good on O. And, and uh, you know, they're, they're certainly not a flashy team, but. Tennessee will have to play better and not make bad game decisions to get out of there with a win. As we come down the stretch here, um, with eight games played, just really four games left for, for most of these teams, uh, Ole Miss is a team, because I think we're so focused on Alabama and LSU uh, next week, but it's easy to overlook the Rebels, but if LSU were to win that game and then Alabama and LSU you know, one out, but Ole Miss won out. And they, I know they still have to go to Georgia, but we could have one of those three-way ties. Uh, you know, if it's head-to-head, then obviously it's, it's you know, if you both have a same record, it goes head-to-head. But if it's a three-way tie, Ole Miss still factors in to get to Atlanta. Uh, what do you think of what you've seen from Lane Kiffin's team this year? I, they're obviously very good on offense, suspect on defense. 
uh, you know, I think they've got good speed on defense, which is, if I was going to be playing average football but had good speed, that'd be the most optimistic way because they can overcome some of this stuff. I, you know, what you bring up is an unusual so that scenario, but I, I don't know what they go to. Don't they go to total point score? Yeah, there's, a, there's a formula is all I know, Ellis. There's a formula that if you have a three-way tie, because, uh, you know, Alabama would have beaten Ole Miss, uh, Ole Miss would have beaten LSU, and LSU would have beaten Alabama. They, they have to go break right. it down. So, yeah, it might be total points or something yeah. like that, but it could be. That could happen. I mean, that's that's a that's a conceivable um, outcome. Well, if you're Alabama or LSU, you you control your own death. That's right. Uh, well, if Alabama wins not. Saturday, it's pretty much over because then they would have no losses. They'd right. have the hit. They'd have the head head tiebreakers against uh, Ole Miss and uh, and LSU. So they'd be in really really good shape. And already played all three of the ones that have any chance. That's right. So yeah. They, they, sh- they should be in good shape. Any uh, need to watch I, out know, for Vanderbilt Alabama here? Cause we, we, we've, we've seen that, and that? We'll, we'll see, we've seen Ole Miss, you know, get caught looking ahead before they get Vandy in there, but uh, just talent wise, Ole Miss should be okay there, regardless of whether they're hundred percent or not ready to play. I mean, I, the only team that could beat Ole Miss this weekend is Ole Miss. Okay. I, yeah. I think unless they go in there and just absolutely put a clown show on offense, turnovers or something, they're probably going to score in the forties. Couple of minutes on Mississippi State and Auburn, and then we'll close it out. Um, you know, Auburn still looking for their first SEC win. They're at home. Clearly, if you're that staff, you're saying, you know, we got to find a way to beat Mississippi State. But Mississippi State, you know, uh, won it on the road at Arkansas last week. Yeah, they will. They will ugly up the game, but you don't have to do a whole lot this year against Auburn to turn it into an ugly game. It, it's obviously probably going to be a low-scoring game. And going to the fourth quarter with either team having a chance to win. Uh, I don't know what the status is on the quarterback at Mississippi State right now. They weren't really using Rodgers uh, in his best, I guess, best mode, if you will. But he's a better quarterback than the other kid. And I, if he plays, I think it gives Ole Miss a huge chance at an upset. Uh, if he doesn't, you know, I think Auburn, as, as bad as their season has gone on record, They've really not been blown out of a football game yet. And even against Georgia, you know, it was very respectful. Ole Miss, they held them down, their point score and all that kind of thing. So that, I think Hugh has done an absolutely awesome job being stuck with the worst quarterback in the conference. I mean, it's just – so I, I think they'll beat Mississippi State, but I think it's certainly going to be uh, a big chance for an upset because the points won't probably be very far apart. Coach, awesome analysis as always. Next week, we'll dive headfirst into Alabama and LSU. Appreciate your time. Yeah, that should be a great one. Both of them coming off bye weeks. It ought to be a heck of a game. Sure should. All right, it's 9.55. We'll take a break. We'll come back and wrap up this first hour of the Gary Harris Show right after this. Are you ready for the ultimate touchdown in 